You're listening to Positivity Strategist. Welcome to our third season, where I'll be focusing on leaders and leading in an appreciative and positive way across a range of industries and professions. What does it mean? How do they do it? What results do they achieve for their people, their organizations, and their own careers? How do they inspire? Well, hello, everybody. I'm so excited to speak with you today. This is Robin Stratton, Burkessel, the host of Positivity Strategist. And why am I excited to speak to you today? Well, my guest is Lisa Reese, and she is going to talk to us about her experience with appreciative leaders and as an appreciative leader herself. Now, Lisa has had 34 years in government, and she can offer us a hugely valuable perspective on how she's developing a new cadre of leaders in the world of bureaucracy. So Lisa works, and she's going to tell us more about this, internally with the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services, that is USCIS, as an internal leadership coach. And Lisa combines emotional intelligence and appreciative inquiry as the foundation for how she works with and coaches leaders in her organization. Lisa's also a guest instructor at the Naval Postgraduate School, where she co-teaches emotional intelligence certification workshops, and she's a lead instructor for the Vermont Federal Executive Association's Leadership Development Program. So Lisa is fully immersed in the issues of working in very large government agencies and designing ways to help her leaders and their teams flourish in these most challenging times. And I just want to say one more thing before I welcome Lisa. She's also co-author of a book called A Leader's Guide to Solving Challenges with Emotional Intelligence. So Lisa, I'm so happy to have you. Welcome. Well, thank you, Robin. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. That's great. And you're in Vermont right now, yes? Yes, I am. The snow, we get a little snow and it's beautiful out. Beautiful part of the world, yeah. So Lisa, why don't you tell us, um, just to start us, why don't you give us a little bit about your own context and your role there? We'd love to hear that. Sure, Robin. So as you mentioned, I've been working 30, almost 35 years for the federal government. I started um, back when it was Legacy Immigration Naturalization Service. And then, of course, we know that Homeland Security was created after 9-11. And since that time, I've been working for USCIS. Uh, My background's kind of interesting because my whole career really was in finance and budget. And about, I would say, four years ago, I decided, I realized my calling was uh, leadership coaching. And so I... um, changed career fields. And now I am right now um, involved with creating a leadership development program for the directorate, the field operations directorate I work for. Um, And I have become certified in all these wonderful tools. And uh, I'm now bringing this, these tools to the federal workspace with our current and future leaders of government. So it's been very exciting. 
Yeah, such a such an important role to be able to influence, right? Um, I read, Lisa, that you said, looking back on my career, I realized that my successes in life had very little to do with my technical abilities, but had everything to do with my softer skills. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, you know, we tend to value, um, of course, we want to hire intelligent people. You know, when I'm looking to hire people, I do. I look for, you know, are they smart? Can they do the job? But what happens is that we tend to create then a workforce that values or maybe even overvalues technical skill. And it comes at the detriment of developing those softer skills. So I cannot tell you how many times when I've tried to do workshops around emotional intelligence and appreciative inquiries that people have said, oh, Lisa, that's that touchy-feely stuff. We don't do that here. And what I realize is it's in those softer skills. When we look at where are the gaps in leadership, we notice that it's in this interpersonal area of you know, communicating, collaborating, building trust, engaging our employees, inspiring and motivating, and really leveraging their strengths. And all of that is done with this softer side of leadership, which is the, um, you know, the interpersonal dynamics of relationships and trust building. Mm. Yeah, so that speaks to a lot of the emotional intelligence that you bring into yeah. your work, right? So yeah. um, since this season is all about appreciative leading and appreciative leaders, what does that mean to you? Oh, boy. Well, for me, you know, I having such a long career, I've taken lots of leadership classes. And back, you know, 30 years ago, we didn't have this thing called appreciative inquiry. And, <laughs> but I recognize as I look back that really I was an appreciative leader. I was practicing all these things. And so for me, what it meant was, you know, really valuing people around me. I was really, I, I always have been big about building relationships. So I've used this appreciative approach with my colleagues and as well as my teams, just showing how much I value them and appreciate them. I recognize their hard work. Um, I encourage collaboration. Uh, I, I want them to, to empower them, you know, to find the answers, to be curious, to feel that they can talk to anybody they want want. Um, so I really try to leverage their strengths and encourage them to, to uh, collaborate and work together. That's mm -hmm. been really amazing to see that happen. And so in terms of the changes that you feel um, and you recognize in this environment today that would behoove us to build more of, um, what are you seeing in terms of the impact of these changes? How is it working for you, in mm. other words? Yeah. Well, right now, as you know, um, immigration is at the forefront of, of many, you know, topics, uh, you know, in, in the news. And you can imagine the, the workspace is challenging. You know, we have to continue to uh, carry out our mission, uh, but we have to find new ways of doing business. We have to be innovative. And so what I am, you know, what we're trying to do is to actually use AI and to integrate it into everything we do. 
so that people don't view AI as something they, or even emotional intelligence as something, oh, I better be emotionally intelligent now, or, oh, I better flip over and now be an appreciative leader. No, what we want to do is actually look for opportunities to integrate AI into everything we do. So let me give you an example, Robin. Um, what I notice is that as you know, leaders, what we tend to do is focus on what is going wrong. And one of the things I want to help uh, other leaders do is focus on what's going right. So as an example, every year we give our employees a federal employee viewpoint survey and we ask them to rate how they're feeling. You know, it's how we gauge the health of an office. So of course, when a leader gets the results for their office, they focus on what's wrong. You know, oh my gosh, what are the lowest scores? So what I do is I try to help these, these leaders look at it as, hey, you know, I understand what's not going right maybe, you know, that you're going to focus on, but what if we were to do a focus group and ask some questions about what are those things that they enjoyed or what they would like to see more of? So I actually encouraged my leader to change our focus group questions to a more appreciative nature. And the results were astounding. We realized that people were more uh, positive about the results, even though they might have rated us lower uh, in satisfaction. Once we got an understanding, we were listening to them and they felt heard and valued and appreciated, that's when the magic happened. And that's when we started to get that dialogue and communication. So I saw, you know, what we can do is we look for opportunities in our day-to-day actions and say, how can we, you know, build AI? How can we incorporate AI into everything that we do? Mm. So that's kind of what I've been working on is, is, is showing people, you know, as simple as taking those challenges that they face and how do we make them opportunities? So that to me, it has been very rewarding. Yeah. And that takes practice as we know, and it doesn't come easy at first. In fact, I just want to let you know that I read an amazing article by you in the AI <laughs> practitioner. And I'm, yeah. going to sh- I'm going to quote from that. And then I'd like you to continue. Because sure. um, what I was reading in that, and I had a big smile on my face, Lisa, I mean, you do write beautifully. And I think this is, this is typical of so many people who learn about appreciative inquiry, emotional intelligence, and all these other ways of being and doing and get very excited about it and want to become evangelists, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I have the solution and I want to help. So we get very enthusiastic. But our group that we're working with perhaps isn't so enthusiastic. So let me just (laughs) quote what you're saying, because I think it's going to resonate with a lot of us. So you say, as a new and enthusiastic AI practitioner, I saw many opportunities to embed AI at work, but I was alone in my enthusiasm and vision of how appreciative inquiry could transform the future of our organization. And you say, I realized after several months and attempts, my inability to share AI at the level that I'd hoped had nothing to do with my leaders and the organizational culture and everything to do with me. (laughs) I let my appreciative voice overwhelm others and people turned away from the very thing I was trying to share. 
I was, and this is what you're saying, I was overselling its power rather than demonstrating it in personal practice. That's huge. That's huge learning. Yes, it is. And it took me many, many months and even maybe over a year to realize that I was approaching it the wrong, the wrong way. And, um, and you know, when you realize that you're not getting the results and people, you know, I love to talk to people and to collaborate with people. And I realized that nobody wanted to collaborate with me because I was almost forcing it onto people by, you know, I was way ahead of, of what my leaders were ready to embrace. Mm -hmm. And I didn't use the language, uh, the same language. And so what the biggest lesson I learned was number one is, you know, practice what you preach, Lisa, is about emotional intelligence. It's, you know, yes, you may think it's the greatest thing and you want to share it and you know, it has value. And it also saddens you when you realize, you know, that, wow, we could be, you know, making so much more happen if we embraced it. And when you can't do it, you get frustrated. So I I was frustrated for a while and I had to take a step back and realize that meeting my leaders where they are and speaking their language. So I don't use the typical AI words like flourish and thrive and dream. Um, Even the word positivity, because sometimes in, you know, government space or bureaucratic bureaucratic space, we can tend to turn away from that. So instead, what I do is I mirror what the the language of the leader is. A lot of times it's outcomes, it's goals. They love, you know, what is it that they're interested in? Mm. And if you can find where, you know, where their interest lies and introduce something like I did with introducing new questions into a focus group. It was so painless, so simple that they didn't even know. And I, and I actually laugh because I call it covert AI. <laughs> I practice covert AI all the time mm-hmm. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, before I was like, you should be proud of it and shout it from the rooftops. And now if I can just get them to even you know, even reframe a, a problem into an opportunity, that to me is mm. so wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, what you're saying so resonates with me. And um, when I first, you know, I think it's with any new toy, you know, something's really shiny and a beautiful object. And I, um, you look at it that way. And of course, I'm not saying that appreciative inquiry is a toy or a shiny object, but you're just so excited to use it. And um, I'm like you, I, um, you don't have to name it. You just do it, right? right? Yeah. 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 And and you have to look for opportunities too. Isn't this such an inspiring conversation with Lisa Reese? You can read excerpts and get links to connect to Lisa and her book and the article she wrote in the AI Practitioner about her learnings as a newbie with appreciative inquiry and how she was so over-enthusiastic at the beginning And now she's really confident and experienced enough to be able to practice appreciative inquiry in a covert manner, meaning that we don't even have to name it, we just live it, we just do it. So all of these gems are available on positivitystrategist.com slash PS112. And let me also remind you about my Patreon account. If you're listening and getting value from this content and these stories, then please go over to positivitystrategist.com slash Patreon 
and find out what goodies I have for you there (laughs) if you want to become a patron of the show. There are workshops, my book, coaching sessions, training programs, sponsorship opportunities and so much more, all in appreciation of your patronage of the show. And now let's go back to Lisa and we're going to hear how she talks about her very first experience with AI. You know, my first exposure to AI was just blew me away. It was a huge summit, a two and a half day summit with 500 people. And I didn't even know what I was experiencing it. But when I felt it and I was part of those those conversations, those interviews, and when we were prototyping and brainstorming and dreaming about the future, I couldn't help but get goosebumps. And I, and I knew that this tool, framework, philosophy, methodology had this incredible power. And for me, it was, how can I bring this into the federal workspace? So what I did have control over was like, okay, what can I influence? Well, mm. yes, I wasn't the main, you know, the, the biggest leader in government. However, I was president uh, back in 2012 of the Vermont Federal Executive Association. And what I saw was an opportunity to reinvigorate, re-energize our association because what was happening was nobody was attending. Um, you know, there were many federal agencies in Vermont, believe it or not, we have over 5,000 federal employees and the attendance was flagging. The, the executives weren't engaging. So when I proposed, I said, hey, what, what about us having a meeting, a conference. I don't even think I called it a summit. Mm-hmm. And I said, what if we called everybody together? And everybody was like, yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's have this conference. So we launched, um, this, this summit and we did it in November of 2012. And we had a hundred people who came from, you know, federal employees, executives, we had nonprofits, we had people from the community, we had federal and state local leaders come Mm -hmm. and we, we dreamt together. You know, I didn't call it dreaming, but I said, Let's envision a future where government agencies collaborate across sectors and we, we, you know, leverage our strengths to, you know, bring out the best of who we are to support the citizens of Vermont. And what we realized was out of that dreaming together that we recognized we needed to have better wages for for federal workers because we were losing them to other states. Mm. So we launched an initiative for locality pay. And I can't believe what happened, but several years later, um, it was actually approved mm-hmm. by the president's pay agent. And starting January 1st, 2019, we're going to have locality pay for, for the Northwest Vermont. So I was just, you know, I see it now the FEA is now invigorated and we come together monthly and quarterly to, to dream together. So I have seen the impact and it's really exciting, really. Thank you for sharing that story. That's great. It does show the impact and it also shows that these things often don't change overnight. And I'm sure (laughs) patience is something that, um, is one of your strengths <laughs> or you're well, cultivating that, right? I try, Robin, believe me. <laughs> so Lisa, um, what happens when, you know, I'm just curious again, you know, in your environment and you, sh- you know, I shared the fact that, you know, when you first started, you were overly enthusiastic and had some setbacks. So how do you stay strong and committed 
when you do face challenges or when there's some adversity or some opposition, you know, when it's not easy, you know, how do you, how would, what would you say to leaders in your situation when that happens? Yeah. Well, for people who are trying to spread AI, you know, to really practice AI with people, it's, even if you're alone, like I know that when I first started, I was the only voice of AI. But the good thing is that more and more leaders are learning about it and experiencing it. So what I recommend is find people who are your tribe, you know, like who around you has, has talked. So for me, you know, I joined an AI community. I became certified in AI. So I met so many colleagues and uh, people who support me in my dream of bringing AI to the workplace. That's one, find people that are like-minded and who will support you. The other thing is, is just to realize that sometimes it isn't easy because we know that emotions are contagious. And when you're working sometimes in negative environments or you're working in what I like to call the VUCA world, you know, this volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous environment, it can be difficult. And so what I try to tell people is to just recognize where their organization is and where they are and to build your resiliency. First of all, you know, I love the definition that, you know, Joan MacArthur Blair and Jeannie Cockle have about resiliency. I went to one of their workshops and they said, you know, resiliency is three parts. The first part is despair. The second part is forgiveness. And the third part is hope. So when I was going through my own, you know, uh, setbacks, I recognized that I was in despair. And with that, you know, you need to have your support network. Who do you call on? Who can help reach down and pull you back up? So I, I reached out to many people who could help me talk it through. I also realized that I had to forgive myself. You know, it's like I had to forgive myself that, yeah, okay, so you you started off on the wrong foot, but people know you, they know your heart and they know that you want to do what's best. And so forgive yourself and start again. And also forgive others because they don't know what you're trying to do. They don't understand. So meet them where you are and practice compassion. And, but the last part is where I really takes off it. It's hope, you know, it's, it's looking at a better day. So, you know, just to let you know, like personally, you know, having those setbacks, I've had to reach down and say, what can I draw on from my past that can help me be a better leader tomorrow? And, you know, when I teach, um, I, you know, as to share a personal story, I was to teach a, um, an AI workshop at the Naval School, and it was on October 2nd of 2017. And I woke up in the morning and I turned on the TV, and of course across CNN was the terrible Las Vegas killings, the mass shooting, where all dozens of people lost their lives and hundreds were injured. And it was like a, a punch in my gut. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, Lisa, you have to teach an AI workshop to these people you know, who came, you know, together to, you know, look at what is AI and how do we bring positivity? So I had to actually practice that and said, you know, Lisa, when was a time in your past where you faced this adversity and what did you do to overcome it? And I realized that it was 
sharing my grief, talking to somebody, and then also exercising and playing music. So that's what I did that morning. I went on the treadmill. I called my husband. I did whatever I needed. And then I shared it with the class. And I said, let's acknowledge Mm -hmm. and take a moment to acknowledge it, but also to appreciate what we're grateful for, that we're all here together. And it really helped us be human and to share a moment of, of empathy, compassion, and then to move into this positive space. So that's what to me is so powerful about AI. It's that part of hope and about sharing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a lovely story of how you applied the appreciative Mm -hmm. inquiry practice to yourself. Yeah. Um, Like when have I risen above adversity and what have I done to be successful and what are my strengths in doing this? And so, you know, that's really embedding it into the daily practice. Yeah. Um, so this, thank you very much for sharing that. Yeah. So I, I just wonder, um, I just want to say also, Lisa, for the, um, for the listeners that a number of the references, for example, the AI practitioner I referred to, the uh, Coquel and MacArthur Blair book on appreciative resilience, I'll put a link to there. So people can go to our show notes page. Um, and that will be positivitystrategist.com slash PS112. And they'll be able to, f- to read more about you and, um, some of the references and get some kind of synopsis of what we're talking about here. So that's available for people. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for <laughs> um, that. So I wonder, um, that if, there was one thing that you wish those in leadership roles uh, thought about when it comes to bringing out the best in ourselves and others. What might be your recommendations there, Lisa? So I would share that as leaders, it's okay that we don't know the answers. Matter of fact, we should know all the answers because no one person is that smart. So I love that, that it's okay that we don't have all the answers. And it's also okay that we can't fix all the problems. There's too many out there. And if we did that, we would be exhausted. And what a responsibility to think that as leaders, we have to know it all. And so what I share with others is it's okay not to. Um, And that we don't, we're not in our positions as leaders to fix problems. Yes, we, we, we don't want problems to crop up and cripple our mission, but we don't want to be fixers. Instead, we want to enable, we want to empower others who can rise above and be our future leaders. So we are there as leaders to recognize that there are challenges and then to pull together all the stakeholders, all those people that regardless of position or status, we need to start to embrace others. I call it shared networks of leaders or collective leadership, Mm. Um, that as leaders, we can ask those really great big questions around topics that really helps focus everyone on our collective goal. We as leaders can ask questions that, that are hopeful, that help, you know, us really co-create the future we envision together. We can be those people that solicit ideas and encourage collaboration and transparent communication. Uh, 
we can enable others to act by providing resources and support. A lot of times that's what people need. They need us to get rid of those barriers that yeah. block them. And as leaders, we can do that. Mm-hmm. We also can learn to trust We as leaders have to trust other people to do the right thing and to provide those safe environments Mm -hmm. where people can be heard, where they can come together to share, they can be vulnerable, they can collaborate, and their ideas will be valued. Um, And that we create and we celebrate those small wins. You know, don't wait for the big wins. Celebrate those small wins. And leverage the strengths of those around us. What are your strengths? You're going to be asked to bring your strengths to the table, but you need to find out where everybody's shoulders are the widest. What are they good at? What are they passionate about? What do they enjoy doing? Hmm. But the key is to really have the humility to know when we don't have all the answers and also the courage to invite others into a discussion around the unknown. Oh my goodness, that's so powerful, that last sentence that's that you just uttered. I think that's fantastic. And if we're seeing the people with these leadership attributes and qualities today and tomorrow, we're in a good place. We are. I am so hopeful about the future of our government. I know that right now people can look at how broken it is, but I don't see it as broken because I know all the men and women behind the scenes who are doing exactly what we talked about today. They are empowering their people. They are listening. They are practicing appreciative inquiry and uh, you know and we have the opportunity to introduce it and we and you know I'm I'm really hopeful when I watch how these leaders embrace it and take the AI framework and philosophy and really make it theirs so I'm so hopeful Robin <laughs> I know that that we've only just begun and it's going to be incredible what the future holds Oh, I think that's beautiful. Lisa, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your experience, what you're doing in the world, how emotional intelligence and appreciative inquiry is really has influenced you to the degree where you are now influencing others, which Mm -hmm. is the role of leadership to help others find the best and feel proud about that and want to take responsibility Mm -hmm. for it to be positive agents of change. Yes. So thank you, Lisa, so much. You're welcome. And thanks for the opportunity to share it. And I'm always happy to talk to people around um, some of their challenges and successes. So I'm a resource as well. Well, all of those um, ways to contact you will be on our show notes page. Thanks again, Lisa. You're welcome, Robin. If you have questions or ideas that you'd like to hear discussed on upcoming episodes and possibly participate in our show, go to positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast where you can submit your ideas or leave me a voicemail. I will respond. And also, if you appreciate this show, I'd love you to share that by leaving a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and remember what you focus on grows, so grow towards your best. <laughs>